Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. All right, we're in this series, if you uh, haven't been with us, called Chasing Shadows. And what we've been trying to do is talk about the things that people tend to pursue and to chase in this life, hoping that it will bring them happiness and fulfillment and safety and security and, and identity. And about the fact that oftentimes when we get close to or we, we get hold of the thing that we think was going to fill us up at a soul level, we find that it doesn't. And I, I've told you that mine was the pursuit of, of feeling like a success or feeling like I counted or I mattered in some way, um, but I've never sort of ever been able to get there. And I think it's what James was talking about in James chapter 1. This is our key text for this series. He says in verse 16, he says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, and this is just his reflection, that verse verse is a reflection on the nature and the way that, that sin evolves in our lives. If you go read the text before, he's talking about how it evolves and we think it's going we, we to be good, we think it's going to fill us up, we think it's going to do all these things for us. He says, but listen, my dear brothers and sisters, he says, don't be deceived. Every, can you say this with me, everybody? Every good and perfect gift is from above. From above, it's coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not, say this with me, who does not change like shifting shadows. The good that you're looking for from life, the things that you're, we're looking around for, the things that we're looking for within for, James says they don't come from there. They don't come from people. They don't come from accomplishments. It doesn't come from uh, achievements. It doesn't come from, from all the things we think it is. He says, the good, the perfect comes from us. We have to look up to receive our identity. We have to look up to receive purpose. We have to look up to receive security. And we have to look up to receive what we're going to talk about today. We've talked about the fact that all human beings everywhere, by, by the way, let me just say hello to everybody watching uh, online. I want to say hello to all the folks out in the lobby today. Can we give it up for those guys? Thank you guys. We're going to fix this somehow, everybody. We're going to fix this. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. We're going to, we're, going to, we're going to build a bigger space. We're going to do something. Come on, everybody. But thank you for being here uh, as well. We, we, we've been talking about the four primary needs that human beings have, all of us. We talked about the need to, to, for identity, like who am I? They all have questions. We talked about the need for purpose. Where do, what, what do I do? What am I here for? We talked about the need for security and safety. Where do I, uh, who has my back? And then today, we're talking about the need for acceptance and belonging. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? I've referenced Maslow, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of human needs before. I want to just show you a quick, it always comes in a pyramid form when you, when you talk about it. At the baseline is physiological, food, clothing, shelter, right? Air, water. Everybody has to have that. It's the baseline. But next in line is the thing we talked about last week, safety, security, that, that there's a group of people who have my back. But then third in line of, of, of the hierarchy of human needs is this thing we're talking about today, belonging. And love, and of course, transcendence is purpose, is the thing that Pastor Andy talked about a few weeks ago in an amazing way. Um, these are the things that Abraham Maslow, I don't know, 100 years ago or so, 60, 70 years ago, whatever it was, talked about it, that human beings need, and, and I agree with much of this. The, the, the problem for us, for us is that everybody wants to fit in, everybody wants to have a place they belong, everybody wants to have a place where they, where, come on, 
Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came, right? It's like cheers in God's house without the beers. Everybody, amen. It's coffee, right? Coffee. Everybody wants this, but here's the truth, though. Not everybody has this. The problem is not everybody gets this. And I I, I did some some research, as I've done throughout this series, just into the, the psychology of some of this. Uh, there's a massive study that was, was done from 2017 to 2021 and included the years that the pandemic was really taking over our lives. In 2021, 58% of Americans said they feel lonely often. F- 52% of Americans said they feel alone or lonely most of the time. Tw- 21% of Americans in this massive sur- survey said they had no close friends. 21%. I would argue the number's higher. People just don't want to admit that. 21%. There's a lot of people in this world, there's a lot of people in this room, there are people watching this online who would say, I am dealing with, I am experiencing seasons of loneliness. So what is loneliness? As we'll just define it for today. Loneliness is unwanted isolation or emotional isolation, the sense that I'm cut off sense that I don't have, uh, and I'm consciously aware of the fact that something or someone is lacking from my life, right? That's loneliness. Now, I want to be clear about this, that there's a distinction here. There is a difference between being alone and being lonely, right? The Bible actually commends going and being alone. Uh, Solitude, stillness, those are excellent spiritual practices um, Henry Nouwen said that, that solitude is the furnace of transformation. Like God does his best work when we go and get alone with him. Uh, sometimes though, we don't, we don't like stillness. We don't like the quiet because we're afraid to be alone with our thoughts, truth, right? Our culture doesn't help us in this way. As a matter of fact, I think it can encourage loneliness. We often tend to connect and attend to things, Right? instead of to actual people and to God. The former, former Surgeon General, I can't remember his name now, um, said that the greatest sort of pandemic of our age is loneliness. The UK has a ministry of loneliness. The Jap- Japan has a ministry of loneliness because of the pervasiveness and the problems. The, the, the Surgeon General said something about how it's loneliness that breeds so many other, uh, others of our maladies. The, our physical maladies. He says it's, it's the crisis of our day. And um, so l- let me make another couple of distinctions. There are different types of loneliness. We're talking about how, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? But I want to talk to you about the problem first. Th- there is what I'd call circumstantial loneliness, meaning a loneliness that comes about by way of circumstances that were beyond our control. So having had conversations with people who've lost a loved one, They would say to you, the loneliness is so dramatic in my life. There are people all around, but I am so lonely because my loved one is gone. There are people I've talked to who are going through divorce, and they would say, I've never been so felt so alone in my whole life. Um, That's circumstantial. There's people who um, I've talked to parents who who are raising children with needs that are really great, uh, special needs, and they would say, 
One of the biggest things is, is, is the loneliness, the isolation that you feel like nobody knows, nobody's experiencing, nobody feels what I'm feeling in, in this moment. There, there is betrayal that comes for people that, that creates circumstantial loneliness. There is children that are just off the reservation. They're, they're just out doing whatever. And we're like, what's going to happen to my kids? We're worried about their security, their safety, their well-being. Th- that's circumstantial loneliness. There is, there is the, the more common kind, which is relational loneliness. It's just this notion that I, I don't feel like I have deep friendships. I don't feel like there's a place where I feel like I belong. This is my place. This is, these are my people. This is my, this is my crew. I don't have anybody to do life with, right? That's relational loneliness. The, the third kind of loneliness is what I'd call spiritual loneliness. And it comes up in two ways. I'll talk about the second one in a minute. But the first way that it comes is just by virtue of the fact that Psalm 51 says, Behold, I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity, David wrote right? That I'm born a sinner who is separated by, from God, right? And until Jesus comes and saves me from my sins, I am disconnected from God. And there is a spiritual loneliness that comes along with that. So these last two I want to talk about today to answer the question of where do I fit in? Where do I belong? The, the good news about all of the loneliness that is, is, is a problem. It is a problem, everybody, in our world today, is that we, the, the good news is that we serve an initiative-taking God, right? We don't serve a God who's like, hey, guys, I hope you, you all figured out down there. No, our God has his sleeves rolled up, and our God is at work, has been at work, helping people who feel disconnected from him and from others to feel connected. In fact, there's this place in 2 Samuel, it's an Old Testament passage, where King David, he's the king now, the David of the Psalms, He's a king. His son, Absalom, has, done, has, has attempted a coup to take over the country. Succeeds for a while. He gets back into power. His son has been exiled. And this woman comes in. The Bible is careful to say that she's a wise woman. She comes in, unbeknownst to David, to confront him about his exile of his own son. And here's what she says to him. 2 Samuel 14, 14. But God does not take away life. Instead, notice this. He Say this with me. He devises ways so that a banished person may not remain remain estranged from him. A lonely person, a person who feels forgotten, a person who's living in isolation, God devises ways to fix that. Now, our God, our Heavenly Father, Every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father. And one of the gifts that he gives us is the gift of friendship, of community, of belonging. But it only comes down from above. David writes in another place, I think maybe even, maybe inspired by these words that were said to him by this woman. He says in Psalm 68, he says, he's talking about God, he says, Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, This is God whose dwelling is holy and God places the lonely in families. What a a glimpse. What an insight into the character of the nature of God. God devises ways so that those who feel lost, those who feel exiled, those who feel um, disenfranchised have, have by, by loneliness, relationally, circumstantially, or whatever, can... Can find, can find home. But what ways 
has he devised? What's the solution for all the lonely people in the world? This is for all the lonely people. Making their life as Sorry, I, nobody? America? The band? How about Eleanor Rigby? Eleanor Rigby. With the, okay, anyways, that's another lonely song. I'm sorry. I'm like a little human jukebox maybe? I don't know. Jukebox hero. Okay, anyways. Uh, <laughs> foreigner, come on, man. Y'all know Foreigner. Somebody, some men in the house. All right. Some 70s and 80s dudes like myself, right? If you're new here, I am. Um, random things happen. All right. What's the way that God devised? He created a family, a spiritual family, for people to belong to called the church. This is the gift that comes from above. When the church works the way that Jesus intended, and trust me, I get it, it doesn't always. This one doesn't always. Others don't always. Some churches, people get hurt. I get it. People have probably been hurt here. But when the church works the way that Jesus intended, it's where God sets the lonely in families, spiritual families, to help meet all the needs of, of that, pe- that, that people experience. In fact, one time when Jesus was teaching one day, this is in Mark's gospel, some people come up to him and say, hey, your mom and your brothers are looking for you, to which he says, who are my mother and my brothers? Like They're like, hey, bro, we, we raised you. We brought you into this world. We'll take you out. But they can't because he's God and all that. You see what I'm saying? Who are my brothers? Who are my mother and brothers? He asked. Then he looks at those seated around him. These are his disciples. These are the people who are following him to hear his teaching. And he says, here, here. Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And what he's saying is Jesus came to start a family. Make no mistake, everybody. Jesus came to start a family, a place called God's family where everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect. But with Jesus, anything is possible. So then where do you belong? Where do I fit in? What's my place? What's the answer to all the lonely people? The answer is we first and foremost, we belong to God himself and God sets the, the lonely in families. We belong to, we belong to, you belong to the family of God. And, and we told you week one, if my identity primarily is, is child of God. So that means that if, if, if God is your father and if God is my father, then that makes what? That makes you my brother and you my sister. We are all brothers and sisters in the family of God. Yes or no, everybody? We are brothers and sisters in the family of God. So when we start to think about relational loneliness, the kind where we feel like we don't have our people, we don't have a crew, we don't have our our squad, whatever we call them now, they change all the time, right? Whatever it is, God creates, Jesus creates an expression called the church, that's what he came. He said that, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? The church of the living, not just this one, but the capital C church. Everybody understands that, right? I'm going to create a church and I'm going to put people who are hurting and broken and confused and nobody's perfect. I'm going to bring them all together and they're going to have a family that they belong to. In fact, so the New Testament writers start writing all of the, the New Testament and this phrase that they, they adopt keeps popping up in their writings 59 times, I think it is, 60, somewhere around there. And it's this phrase called one another. Can we say that together? One another. So there are all of these one another's in the New Testament. So statements like love, serve, 
Submit. You're like, no, no, I don't, I don't like that one. Take that one out. Take that one out, right? Romans 12, honor one another, right? Speak truth to. Be devoted to. Right? Now understand with me, one of the priorities of any local church, whatever, whatever kind it is, is to one another, one another. You with me? Whatever, fill in the blank, to one another, one another. Um, it's a command. So let's look at a couple of these expressions and see if this couldn't become part of the solution to all the lonely people. Galatians chapter 6, Paul says, say this with me, the, the yellow part, carry each other's burdens. Stop. Now, some of you are like, I don't want to carry other people's burdens. I have too many of my own. Praise God. Thank you for that. Right? Yes or no? Do you have some burdens? Yes or no? Right? Come on. Some of you do. Six of you didn't, but you're our burden. That's why you have none. We're carrying yours for you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Carry each other's burdens. Now, it's, that's not the end. Because Paul goes on and says, and in this way, by carrying each other's burdens, in this way, you will... Wait a minute, back up. Back up. You, you didn't let me finish. You will fulfill the law of Christ. The way the law of Christ gets fulfilled. Well, what is the law of Christ? John 13, 34. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, he says love one another. He says, this, this new command I give you, love one another. And then there's the caveat. As I have loved you, you must love one another. That's the law of Christ. So when Paul says, how do we fulfill the law of Christ? We do it this way. By carrying each other's burdens. The ESV says to bear one another's burdens, to carry. The way that we fulfill the law of Christ is by carrying one another's burdens. So this doesn't mean that you should call me whenever you're moving. Come on, so I can carry your furniture. Come on, praise God. Right? Right? I, I, read, I read about a woman who, who, who phoned a friend and was asking how she was doing. And the lady was like, terrible, terrible. My head's splitting. My back and my legs are killing me. The house is a mess. The kids are driving me crazy. Any ladies represent right now? Right? Um, she's like, I feel alone. So the caller, the, the, very sympathetically, the caller says, hey, listen, you go lie down and rest. I'll be right over. I'll cook lunch. I'll clean up the house. I'll take care of the kids while you rest. But by the way, how is your husband Sam? And the lady goes, Sam? My husband's name isn't Sam. Oh, I must have dialed the wrong number. Long pause. Does that mean you're not coming over? <laughs> right? In, in our world and in our church, people are swaying under the weight of the responsibility of parenting, addictions, failures, losses, and the truth is no one is coming over. Nobody's coming over, and no wonder the loneliness that is filling our communities and our world carry one another's burdens. But listen, that sounds hard because we have our own burdens. But the idea is not that we gather in a group together and now we're going, Psh, I got to carry everybody, all eight dudes here's burdens, right? Because Paul goes on in, in just a couple of verses later, verse five, he says, for each one should what? Carry their own load. Do what now? Because you, bro, you just said we should carry the burdens, but now, oh, now you're saying everybody should carry each other's loads. Seems contradictory, but it's not. A lot of writers write about this. The word burden he uses there in that first verse that we read is a different word, Greek word, from the word load, right? So, so just, this is how they would write about it. They'll say things like, a load is more like a backpack, right? 
where, like, like a lot of us wear backpacks. I remember when I, was, when I first went to college, Bible college, my mother gave me a briefcase. It was awesome. Now, I didn't, like if you, if you saw me carrying it, it just had snacks and candy. <laughs> I, didn't, I, was, I didn't know what went in them, but it was awesome. I felt big. Come on. It's in my garage right now, but I forgot the combination, so I don't know how to get into it. Like, I'm like, there could be pirate treasure in there. That's how my brain works now. Pirate booty in there. You know what I'm saying? But I can't get in. But, but, but backpacks are things that you can carry. Could they get heavy sometimes? Are they a little bit burdensome sometimes? Running through the airport? Yeah, they can be. But the, the idea is that you can carry your own load. In fact, when Jesus says in Matthew 11, I think it is, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy. That word burden is this same word load. He says it's easy and it's light. You can carry it. But the word for burden that Paul uses is a much heavier, it's, it's like the idea of a boulder. You can't pick up a boulder by yourself. You're going to have to carry, you're going to need help to carry the boulder. And this goes back to what we said about circumstantial loneliness. A divorce, heavy the loss of a loved one, heavy. A job loss, and I don't know where I'm going to get my bills paid, heavy, right? And if we try to carry a boulder by ourselves over time, it breaks us down. We can't stand under the weight of it. And this is where really bad decisions in life get made, where people, when people try to carry the, the weight of loss, the weight of PTSD, the weight of the horrors they've seen, when they try to carry that all by themselves, this is where really bad things start to happen to people. We are not meant to carry our burdens alone. We are meant to have a place that we belong to where we help each other uh, carry uh, our burdens. And Paul says, when you do this, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. When we help carry the loneliness that people are experiencing, like, like we help we help them realize you're not alone. Nobody is alone because we one another, one another, right? And, and, and when I help you and you help me, I realize I'm not alone. I have a place. I have people who know me, love me, celebrate me. I'm, I'm known, I'm loved, I'm remembered, I'm seen, and everybody needs this. Let me offer another one, Romans 15. Paul says, accept one another. Then just as, just as, Christ accepted you. And when you do this, it brings praise to God. It brings praise to God. Everybody has an intrinsic need to, to belong, to have a community, to have a family. And, and this stuff doesn't happen, everybody, in rows. We say this all the time. It happens best over coffee. It happens best at a table. It happens best over a meal. It happens best in circles and groups. And, and here's another one that you can't do in, in rows. James, the little brother of Jesus, James chapter 5 or 16, he says, he says, confess your sins to each other, to one another. But there's a two for one here. And pray for one another so that you may be healed. The truth is, Many people in this room, many people watching this, listening to this somewhere, are carrying the burden of shame, of guilt, of sin, of things that you've done, things that have been done to you that nobody knows, and it's crushing you because it's a burden too heavy to care. And this is why James says, if you want to experience healing, if you want to for experience forgiveness of sins, you, go, you take that all to Jesus. Yes? Right? 
You have an advocate with a father, the righteous, the Bible, John says, right? But if you want to get healing, it's, you got to one another, one another. I was talking to somebody just yesterday who was saying that in his men's life group, that happens on Thursday nights, his group, he said, he said he, it's, the, it's this place where he can be himself, where he can admit the things that he struggles with. He says, and other guys do, I don't feel shame, I don't feel condemned, I don't feel, I feel like, hey, people are like, hey, dude, I got you. I hear you. I got your back. This is exactly what I mean. Confess to one another so that you may be healed. I, 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 I'm telling you all of this because the answer to all the lonely people, the answer to where do I fit, where do I belong is we belong to God and we belong to God's family. In fact, Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, so now you, Gentiles, that's all of us, right, are no longer, say this with me, no longer, no, we're not strangers, we're not foreigners, you are what? Citizens, but it's more than that, all, along with all God's holy people, you are members of God's family, everybody. You are members of God's family. We're not strangers, but how do we practice this? How do we live this out? Because we don't feel like, we don't feel like family sometimes. We don't have anybody that knows us. The, the, the issue is that we have to invest in these one another's. We have to one another, uh, one another. I, I think it's true, and I'm going to be careful here because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I think it's true that sometimes we have expectations for our church and for the people of a church that are a mile high, but our contributions are an inch deep. This is why people bounce, bounce, bounce from place to family, friend group, to friend group, church to church. That our expectations for these people are a mile high, but our investment are, is very low. There's a low-level investment and high expectations, but we have to, all of us have to, one another, one another. And if we don't one another somebody, how are we going to expect somebody to one another us? Okay, amen. I'm going to say it for myself, right? And, and can I just say this gently? Can I say this gently? But it's, it's, it's going to be helpful to somebody. But, it, but, but if you're not paying attention, it'll go right over your head. Some of us are carrying heavy burdens. And the moment we see a friendly face, we want to dump our heavy burden on them. And they haven't even had the opportunity to come to know us yet, right? It's like, hey, I got to tell you, man, I'm a, I'm a serial killer. Why doesn't anybody want to friend me, man? Sorry, that was too much. That was over the line, right? Let me just say this practically now. Before I can have you help carry the heaviness of my story and my baggage and my burden, I need to build a bridge of trust and relationship to you that can handle the weight of my story. So I'll give you a perfect for instance. I remember meeting with a relative of mine uh, several years ago about his lack of friends. I was like, well, tell me, how does that go? You know, like, he's like, I'm in a new place. I'm trying to meet new people. Every time I do, you know, they, I don't, they don't want to hang out with me anymore. I'm like, okay, well, what, what goes down? He goes, well, you know me, bro. I just say whatever's on my mind. Like, okay, well, what? What do, what do you say? Well, I tell him my story. Well, I knew the story. Bob, you want to hold that for a little bit. Just hold, like, little, drip it. Just a little bit at a time, my man. But, but he's like, and he was feeling mad at people. Like, nobody wants to friend me because blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, bro, you can't dump the truth of you on a bridge that you built out of sticks and hay in one conversation and expect that friendship bridge to hold the weight of the truth of you that you're dumping on people. Please hear me. We build the bridge over time. 
over time, we invest, that takes time, that takes participation. We call, we text, we listen, we bear friend, we pray for, we send words of encouragement, we support people, they support us. Over time, there's nobody that's alone. Over time, there's nobody having to carry a burden all by themselves. You can't do this, by the way, in rows. You have to group up. This stuff happens at tables. And, and I just need you to remember, everybody, we all have a common father. God is our father. Yes, amen? There is much that we're different about. There is much that we would divide ourselves about in our country. We're divided all kinds of ways. We find all the things that divide us instead of the things that unite us. But I want to tell you two things that are true of all of us. We have, a, we have the same father, right, which makes us family. We also have the same exact enemy. Who the Bible says, who wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. So I have the same father. You're my brother. I'm your, I'm your brother. We're, we're brothers and sisters. And I have the same father. I have the same enemy. I have to have your back. You have to have my back if we're going to defeat our enemy. Because your spiritual enemy, right, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, he loves it when you are isolated and stuck on Lonely Island. He loves that. He does his best work in our lives when we isolate ourselves. I remember this statement from Rick McKinley, pastors up in Portland here. He says, isolation is the garden of the devil. It's the garden of the devil. Because isolation is where the enemy wants to sow seeds in your life and they flourish, seeds that are not good. He'll, he'll plant them in your life when you're isolated. He'll have you believing the lies that nobody understands you and nobody cares about you and nobody cares what you're going through. The enemy loves it when you live in a woe is me mentality. He loves that. But let me expose this lie that the lie is that because I'm lonely sometimes, I'm all alone, right? That's a lie because 2 Corinthians... Chapter 1, Paul says, praise be to God and, and, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, say this with me, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in what? All our troubles. Just because you feel alone doesn't mean that you are alone. The God of all comfort is with you and he is for you. But if you believe that I'm all alone and nobody cares about me and nobody knows me, then you might also believe the, the lie that, there, that nobody understands and nobody's been through what I'm going through. You'll believe that lie, but it's not true. But if the enemy, our common enemy, can cause us to believe that there's nobody that understands, that nobody supports us, the danger, th th then it'll lead us into an isolated w world. And, and, and listen, the danger of isolation is it will lead us away it will lead us away from the very people who could be God be sending to comfort us in all of our troubles, right? Don't believe the lie because what the enemy wants is for you to be bitter and depressed and hard in heart and, and live with regret and ultimately isolated and ultimately, I hate to say this because it sounds harsh, but useless in the kingdom and the family of God. Right? These are seeds the enemy wants to, to, to plant in the soil of your isolation. Don't let yourself be isolated. Don't let it happen. Join up. Because here's the thing, 2 Corinthians 1, we just read the, fir the first part. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that, why does he do it? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. With the same comfort. Now I want, you, I want, to, I want you to know something. The worst thing that's happened in your life. The worst thing that's happened in your life. Think about it, what it is. All the things that cause the circumstantial loneliness that we referenced earlier. God can take that thing and use it as the greatest gift you have. Because you're still here. 
that thing didn't take you out. That loss, that divorce, that disease, you're still here. And guess what? The Bible, Jesus says that I'm not going to leave you comfortless. He tells the disciples, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. He says, I'm going to send the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who is, the, by the way, the greatest friend that you and I will ever have, right? Come on, the Spirit of God, because he, he counsels, he leads us, he guides us, he convicts us when we're wrong. He empowers us. But here's the caveat. Once he's comforted us through that burden that we've been carrying, who is now best qualified to comfort the people who are going through the same thing we survived? There's this thing we do here called Rescue Academy that we help train people, our prayer partners with. And the second part of it is that your greatest advantage is the worst thing that you survived. Because nobody can, count, can comfort a person going through a divorce like somebody who's been there and survived it. Nobody can comfort somebody through the loss of a loved one like somebody who's been right down that road. And they'll say you, they'll, they could say to you, it's going to feel like you won't make it through, that you won't survive this, but trust me, I'm living proof. God help me, and God will help you. I'm here to help you carry the burden. Nobody can help carry a burden like someone who's carried that same burden. You know how to carry this burden. I don't know how to carry that person's burden, but this one, it's got a secret handle up under here. Come on. What if, what if we became world-class one-anotherers? I just made up another word. I just made that up right now. I don't even know if it makes sense. I know the grammar is terrible. English teachers, stop judging me right now. Come on. What if, what if? Last thing, last couple minutes here. There's another kind of loneliness that we need to talk about. Spiritual loneliness. I told you the first kind is we're born in sin. We're shaped in iniquity. We're disconnected from God until we come and say, Jesus be my Savior, be my Lord, be my forgiver. Until that happens, we're going to remain spiritually lonely. But there's another kind of loneliness that I've experienced as a saved man, as a pastor. I have a, I have a, I, God has gifted me with a beautiful family, with, uh, with, a, with, a, with a wife that, that I love and I love to be around with, my, my girls that I love. And yet, and yet there are moments in a crowd, there are moments surrounded by the people that I love being around where I feel something like loneliness. I want to make this distinction because if you don't recognize this for what it is, it can lead you down some really weird roads. You ever, you ever had something, and, and, and I don't know how else to say it, have you ever had something like nostalgia come up in your life, but you're not sure what you're nostalgic for? There's this thing that happens to me, and maybe you're saying, bro, you just need to get on meds. Okay, probably, probably, right? I can be driving down 1604 in the evening before the, when the sun's setting. This has happened to me so many times. I can see that beautiful sunset. Life is good. Things are good. And something will well up in my heart that almost makes me sad. It's a nostalgia for things unknown. It's a yearning that I didn't used to be able to identify. It would just make me feel something was missing. The, the Germans have this word for this, this, this idea. It's called senzucht or zenzucht. I probably didn't send that right either, but you don't know. Come on, right? I, <laughs> neither do I. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, says, he says, it's an inconsolable longing in the human heart for we know not what. He, he tries to explain 
what it means. And he says, he says this. He says, the books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust in them. The, the music in the books will cause this to rise up in us sometimes, is what he's saying. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. He says, these things, the beauty, the memory of our own past are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the, the thing itself, they're shadows, is what he's saying. They're shadows. They turn into dumb idols. They break the hearts of their worshipers, for they are not the thing itself. They are only the scent of a flower we've never found, the echo of a tune we have not yet heard, news from a country we've never visited. They are not the thing in themselves. They are shadows of the thing. He says, he goes on, he says, we cannot tell each other about it. It is the secret signature of each soul, the incommunicable and unappeasable want which we shall still desire at our deathbeds. Paul, Paul writes about this. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, now that we know if this earthly tent, he's talking about our human bodies, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, say this with me, an eternal house, an eternal home in heaven, not built by human hands. But until then, until we're there, meanwhile, we groan. The deep places of us, they groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. He's saying that when this body starts to break down, something starts to call from within us, groans, he says. And you would say, nah, bro, I don't groan for anything I don't know. I would argue that you do. I would argue that you do in those moments where the blues come out of nowhere. The feeling of loss for no reason, inexplicably. The feeling of loneliness in a crowd. The question, though, is where does this come from? Where does this feeling, this sense, this tiny ache of nostalgia come from? Why do we have it? The nostalgia, the ache, the emptiness, the loneliness, even surrounded by family and friends, it's the sense, this is what Paul is saying, it's the sense that we are not made for this world. Solomon the wise says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and 11, he says, he has, God has made everything beautiful in its time, like there's beauty all around he said, but he has also set eternity in the hearts of men, and they cannot fathom. Why do I feel this way? It's because you were not made for this world. You were made for God. You were made by God. You were made by God. You were made for God. But you were made, come on, everybody. You were made to spend your eternity at home, your forever home with God. We are not citizens of this world, everybody. We are citizens of heaven. And God placed eternity, this eternal, internal search engine that is always going off, reminding us this can't be all there is. And the truth is, it's not. Eternity in the hearts of men. But if you don't know that, that there's a spiritual loneliness that will never be quelled until that day that I see Jesus. And the Bible says that when we see Jesus, 30 minutes, it says, of silence. Maybe because we're so blown away by the beauty, by the splendor, 
by the magnificent glory of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And it's in that moment, I'm home. I'm finally home. And your loved ones who've gone on before, who have made their way there, they're experiencing that now. But in, from here till there, there will always be this place that will never be satisfied until we see Jesus. Because only Jesus can satisfy our souls. Only Jesus. So Father, I pray for folks who are burdened, who are feeling alone, who feel lonely. I pray, God, that they would find here, in this place, in this room, in our online family, that they would find people that they will discover when they have conversations with them would say, me too. What you're feeling, what you've experienced, what you're going through, I've been there. I've gone through there. That we would learn to carry one another's burdens, that we would learn to honor one another, that we would learn mostly just to love one another as you've loved us. God, if we could just get there, the truth, though, is we won't get there. We will not love one another until we first believe and receive how great the love the Father has for us. John says, how great is the love of the Father that we should be called the children of God. And then he says, and that is what we are. That is what we are. God, I pray, I pray that we would be world-class burden carriers for one another, that we would invest, that we wouldn't just expect a mile high, but that we would invest in the lives and the hearts of other people, God. That we would receive, God, um, the same comfort that you've given us, that we would extend that to other people. I pray for lonely people. I pray for hurting people. I pray for broken people, that you would bear them up, that you would comfort them in the way that you said you would through Paul's writings, God. Be their comforter, the Father of all comfort, the God of all compassion. Be that, I pray, in Jesus' name. I pray. Everybody said amen, amen. Thank you guys, thanks so much. God bless you so much. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.